Yay. All right. Woo. So now oh, the three, two, one, zero. All right. That was our moment of prayer that the rest of the show goes without air. <laughs> I think we're going to be good, though. <laughs> everyone but me was, everyone was about 0.25 to a half a second behind me. <laughs> so I'm hoping it's the transatlantic lag. Yeah, because it did sound pretty close to perfect. Yeah, yeah, me, it did, it perfect, did. Yeah. Every, every all you three sounded spot on, <laughs> and I was I was just that half a second in front of you. <laughs> Over to you, Leo. All right. Now I have Slipknot stuck in my head. All right, that'll do. Oh. Guess there are worse things. Certainly better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be no music today. I'm just not. Well, gonna you don't like with Slipknot. That. <laughs> <laughs> today They've is just not the day for any, anything. All right, are we ready? Yeah, I'm I think, mute. I think we can actually do something today. Maybe. All right. I double-checked it. Audacity's still running. I had a bad feeling about that. Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 363. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Bo. Hey, Leo. Yo, and Joe. Hola. And Tony. Yeah, we're only a little bit late. Only a lot of bit late. <laughs> <laughs> and we're recording on Sunday, June 13th. First up, in our wanderings, I miss a delivery. Joe forgets to back up. Bo tinkers with pipe wire. And Tony turns the Ambridge up to 10. Then, in our news, we have a Linux Mint update. Audacity backtracks a top 10 and OBS's Wayland support. If it isn't uh, a really horrible day. <laughs> so I was just, I was going to dive right in, talk about Firefox and how it's growing on me and all that. But I feel like I have to address the uh, 30 minute late uh, elephant in the room. <laughs> uh, we're 30 minutes late today. And that is, oh man, that was, um, mm, that was something. So it's great. I don't how know it what lines was... up with the show topic though. I know. If we didn't pick OBS, none of this would have happened. I think that was it. If we didn't pick live streaming or any of this, I, I wouldn't have been running around with my head cut off, man. Right. Um, yeah. So this tale starts with a um, with yesterday, actually. It, it all made sense. So right after our meeting, I had asked you guys, hey, what did I sound choppy or was it weird or anything like that yesterday? And I didn't really get any, any you know, nobody said anything that was wrong. So I was like, okay, fine, no big deal. It must have just been weird Wi-Fi back here or something like that. I don't know. Uh, we may have been running the microwave too much. I have no idea. And I didn't think anything of it. And then 10, 15 minutes prior to the show, as I normally do, I start getting the live stream set up, started start testing things, testing bandwidth, making sure everything's going good. And for some reason, I've got YouTube set up at uh, 3,500 kilobits per second. It makes for smooth 
video, audio, all that, right, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, I turn it on and it doesn't say 3,500. It says 800. And then it says 400. And then it says 100. And then it says 80. And then it just kind of fluctuates between all of that. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. That's weird. It's never done this before. So uh, last episode, I was running off Wi-Fi, uh, the stream off of 5G. And I was, I was okay, that's totally going to be it. It's, that's going to be it. Well, I'm on Linux Mint, right? Well, not anymore on the streaming box. But it turns out kernel 5.8 does not have the driver for my new motherboard's 2.5 gigabit uh, network card. So I plug in, I plug in the cable because I'm like, it's got to be Wi-Fi. It's got to be Wi-Fi. I'm going to plug in the cable. It's going to be great. And plugged in the cable, turned off the Wi-Fi, no network connectivity. I'm like, what's going on here? I have config-a, no Ethernet. Oh, I no. Didn't, I, never, I never thought to check it. I just I hopped on Wi-Fi, and I was like, ah, this would be cool for now. And then I just never, I never plugged in, right? Well, anyway, I'm like, well, I need wired connection because apparently it's a connectivity thing. So I've got to get you know, a good, solid connection. So I reboot. Thankfully, I had Pop! OS installed, had OBS and all the junk installed. I just didn't have the scene set up. So you know, when I stream it, you know, it wouldn't have been exactly what we wanted. Anyway, uh, so I got the scene set up real quick. I start streaming. Same thing. On Wired. So Pop! OS had the driver because it's on kernel 5.11, and for some reason it's not available in Linux Mint, otherwise I'd already be upgraded. But anyway, Pop! OS has 5.11, had the driver, everything worked. I did a network test. It's sitting at like 200 megabits per second, which is odd because it should be way above that, but whatever. And um, yeah, still the same thing on Wired. Same Mm. kind of fluctuation weirdness. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to reboot the router and hope for the best. So I reboot the router. Um, by the way, it's like 205 to, yeah, something like that by this point. Uh, so I reboot the router, everything comes back up. I start streaming again. And at the beginning, it's like, no, no, no. And then finally it settles in at 3,500 where it's supposed to be. So my router, uh, just, I don't know, decided to just be slow or whatever, start dropping packets left and right. I don't know what that was about. Anyway, reboot fixed it. Yay. Reboot fixes everything. And, uh, I'm good. I'm good. And then... For some reason, so I'm on, uh, I use Chromium because I want to stay as close to Chrome without being Chrome, and it's basically still Chrome anyway. Uh, I'm on Chromium, I'm on the YouTube page, I start the stream, and that little blue button pops up and it says go live. And it popped up and I clicked it, and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. So I don't know, and, and so I, I run back here, and I think, it's, I think everything's going great. And then everybody tells me that there's no stream. <laughs> what? I don't know what that's about. Anyway, so I run back. I realize the button's gray. It's not live. The, the, the window is updating. So I know I'm connected. I know it's the right stream key. I know all the information's correct. But I'm like, all right, whatever. Let me do the backup ingest server. Okay, let me physically put in the URL to actually do the stream. It all behaved the same. So turns out you got to restart Chromium too. If there's like weird glitches or something. You have to restart your the, the browser, that session, that YouTube session as well. So I just closed Chromium altogether and then restarted it, opened it back up, went to the live. The blue button was blue, and I, I clicked go, and it worked. So that was my day today. <laughs> wow. So the moral wow. of the story is if it can go wrong, it will. Yeah, right. especially <laughs> if you're going to talk about how right it's all gone up until this point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was it. So, yay. That's the story of why we're 30 minutes late today. 
in in the moment like that too whenever you're trying to like rush and put this you know yeah. figure this out it's hard mm-hmm. to think about all the steps and in troubleshooting yeah i mean i was just i was just throwing everything at the wall and it just, I don't know why it dawned on me to to restart Chromium. I don't know because that was the that was the last little key, the last little puzzle piece to make it all work. That's I don't funny. know what made me do it, but I did it. And there, I mean, I, I guess it's just in the back of my mind. Just start it over. That's what's going on. Anyway, yeah, here we are. We're we're here. We we've made it. So that was fun. Anyway, so on to my actual wanderings, which is Firefox eighty nine is growing on me. Like a fungus. Uh, I actually. No, well, yeah, it's it's entered my brain and it's not leaving, and I kind of enjoy it. It's faster now. There is a bit of a speed increase uh, on everything. Seems like to me, and the only thing that I think I would have liked was these these icons are gone. On uh, when you click on the little hamburger menu, I hate calling it a hamburger menu, but I think everybody knows what I mean when I say that. Um, New tab, new window, new private, bookmarks, history, downloads, passwords. Why did they take the icons away? <laughs> That's nice. I don't need them, but I can see that there are a lot of people that do. Um, and then just the separation between the tabs is kind of hard to see sometimes, especially if you need, uh, you know, actual visual cues to help you out with that kind of thing. So as far as Firefox goes, man, uh, outside of a couple of accessibility things that they can make better, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, have Have y'all used it much at all? I haven't touched nope. it. I'm yet. on it now. Mm. I tried it out whenever you mentioned it on the last episode, but I mm-hmm. literally just tried it for that moment. I haven't I haven't actually used it oh, okay. extensively. I feel like it's totally worth it, man. Um the eighty eight to eighty nine upgrade, I liked everything about it, but uh I don't need those accessibility features. So if you do, uh you might uh yeah. It might be a little bit. Might you might have to wait until ninety to see some of those things, which I mean I think that kind of breaks it for some folks, right? I mean, it's the whole point is to make it accessible as possible out of the gate. Because if you have to wait an entire version and you basically can't use the browser, uh, that's not great. It's not great at all. So anyway, Tony, what are your thoughts on it? What do you, what do you, how do you like it? Well, I've been using it since it came through on the update because I use Firefox as my primary driver. Right. Uh, prim- primary browser. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely feels snappier. Mm-hmm. Um, pages seem to load that little bit quicker, particularly ones that are quite resource heavy. Right. Uh, seem to be snappier. What I don't like is, you know, the icons on, uh, you know, like for your home and back and things like that. Yeah. They've gone, a, they've gone smaller. So oh, yeah, they have. It's consistent. It, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's consistent it across harder. now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I hadn't noticed because I don't use the hamburger menu very often, but so I hadn't noticed the fact that the icons had gone away from that until you oh, mentioned it. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, on the whole, I'm quite happy with it. Oh, cool. That's cool. Well, I like it. It's good stuff. I don't see any reason um, to, I don't have any particular reason to complain. I enjoy it a lot. So I guess we'll see. Um, the other thing is uh, there's a game that I've been playing. Uh, and I don't usually play a whole lot of new games. I stick to the tried and true stuff all the time. But um, Humble Bundle put out a uh, a free game, as they do every couple of months. And it's called Surviving Mars. This game, uh, it's like it, it did a whole civilization on me. Where, um, you know, you start playing the game. And then you look up and the clock has somehow moved forward five hours. And you're like, what happened? Um, so Surviving Mars uh, is currently still free on the Humble Store if 
you're listening to this on the live stream. If you catch this on the podcast uh, through a podcatcher, yeah, sales over. But I'm on the Humble Store right now taking a look at it, and it's showing as 30 bucks. Oh, so never mind. Just kidding. It's over. Ah, uh, but. If you caught it yesterday where I posted it in Telegram oh, and Discord oh, oh, and everywhere never mind, else. Never mind, never mind. I scrolled uh, down. Uh, Surviving Mars Deluxe Edition, $0. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah if, you, uh, if you picked it up, uh, or you can still pick it up if you're listening live, um, it is a fantastic game. It's by uh, Paradox. It's the same guys that do Cities. I believe City Skyline, Cities XL, all that, all that kind oh, of jazz. Okay, it's the, yeah. the spiritual successor to SimCity. Um, right. Those guys are pretty fantastic I've, I've lost plenty of hours in the in cities as well i really dig it this is uh cities but on mars and so i mean you've got to send rockets back and forth for re um uh what what has it got it's uh basically rare earth metals and concrete and all this kind of stuff you can you can mine it there on mars and you can eventually upgrade to the point where you don't need to send rockets back and forth you're all self-sufficient and all that um, you got to bring people, so you have to build domes for the people. This is where it gets a lot like cities, where those domes contain things like uh, stores and entertainment and lodging and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a funny thing about it that uh, your people can apparently go insane. <laughs> if, you, if you don't yeah. provide what they need, uh, they can totally go insane and uh, apparently die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they send you a dozen folks at a time. And I was looking at one of my domes, and it said 11 of 14. And I was like, hmm, maybe he moved to the other. Nope, the other dome has 12. Hmm, I think he died. <laughs> so I don't know what happened to that person. I need to go back in the logs and figure out uh, what happened. I think there, but... I must have missed out on the free free one because uh, I signed up for the newsletter, but I haven't had an email with it in. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Joe, uh, send him the link. Uh, I have to go back for it again. Because oh, it, won't, it won't let me get it. Evidently, I got to shut down all my uh, uh, pop-up blockers. I picked, uh, it up. Uh, I picked it up yesterday and uh, Swift here in the chat says he picked it up too, but um, I had to like link my Steam account and then it just added it to my Steam library and installed it that way. I, don't, I didn't sign uh, up for any newsletter or anything, I don't believe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I did. Um, it was supposed okay. to be emailing it out if you signed up for the newsletter. That's what it said. Oh, I think you just get the newsletter, which is like, hey, sign up for this, sign up for this, do this, buy this, all this. It's, it, you know, yeah, it's no, a, but it said when you sign up for the newsletter, you get an email with the game in it. Hmm. Oh, maybe that's if you don't have an account. There maybe that's it. Because when, uh, when I signed up for it, I, I clicked it and it just sent me all the way to the bottom of the page and it said, get your game. And then I, I got the key, dropped it in Steam. But I saw that you can link your Steam too. Uh, I guess I just didn't go that route with it. But I, um, I think I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know why I was thinking about it. Um, I think maybe Josh mentioned Humble Bundle or something, but I think I was on the first Humble Bundle. Like, I think I've been using Humble mm -hmm. Bundle ever since the very first one. Yep. And it was Indie Bundles back then. Humble Indie Bundles. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They did and like seven or eight and then branched out a little bit after that. I don't know if they still do it, but they used to do a thing where they would show donations per Windows versus Linux right. versus Mac OS. I don't know yep. if they still and do Linux that sort and of thing. They might, uh, but Linux and Mac were always consistently, uh, those folks paid more money for the games overall. I think that that was true um, yeah. all the time. Yeah, but I think I think we were just glad to have games on Linux and Mac OS. Yep, <laughs> versus hundred percent get all the games. <laughs> and that's a hundred percent true, man. Uh, me too. And by the way, this this game, uh, Surviving Mars, is Linux native. You don't have to right. proton this uh, Vulcan that Lutris whatever. Nothing, none of that. Just 
install it, press go, it works fantastic. So that was the whole reason I was uh, plastering it all over the place because it's a Linux native game for free that we can play right now. Yeah, they do um, RPG books too. Like you can buy, like they, they did a thing not too long ago where you could get the whole Star Trek Adventures, like all the Modifius published books um, for like $15 through Humble Bundle. And of course they're all PDFs, uh-huh. but um, they do that sort of thing all the time. They, they always have, oh, yeah, it's a yeah. good website to just watch. There's always good stuff. Heck yeah. It's throwing some kind of error every time I try to log in. I know I have a, an account with them, but uh, yeah, it's not letting me. So Time to reset password. No, it's throwing an error saying I need to disable all the extensions. I'd already turned off the uh, uBlock origin for that website, hoping that was it. But evidently, I need to shut down all my extensions. Yeah, me. Know. I've never had a trouble with extensions. I got uBlock uh, pretty much everywhere, and that's that's how I log into Humble Bundle, too. So. Oh, maybe I don't know. I'll, I'll turn on Firefox here in a little bit and give it a try. See what happens. Yeah, uh, I mean Firefox will fix everything for you, man. Oh yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I had a friend. I had a friend that was running Chrome, and for some reason, it wouldn't go to Amazon. Like Chrome, Amazon. What? So anyway, I was like, ah, try, uh, try Edge because it's you know baked into Windows, right? And he tried that. No Amazon. I was like, okay, well, try Firefox then, and it worked. So something was up with all of Chromium. I don't know if it was that day or what the deal was, but Firefox fixed it up. So. You got me, man. Weird stuff. Anyway, uh, that's enough about me. Joe, what have you been up to? Well, um, lots of projects over the last couple of weeks. Um, lots and lots of 3D printing. It's been real fun. Um, I'm, some friends saw some of the 3D printing that I was doing and made some requests for 3D printed presents, which is good mm-hmm. since uh, medical has been keeping us on our toes financially and mm-hmm. 3D prints are cheap. Um, yes, they are. So I've printed out a couple of Baby Yodas. I had printed out one just, you know, as a test print because I'd had problems with one of the hands on my other printer. So, um, and then a friend of a friend saw it and decided they wanted one. So I printed one out for them. And then um, cool. uh, I 3D printed out this little dice tower slash storage slash coaster for your soda cans. Uh, I think uh-huh. it's pretty cool. And then um, yeah. I bought some um, Stanley um, disposable blades and okay. used those to make a wire stripper and two different styles of uh, box cutters just because oh, I cool. thought they were cool. Yeah. And like they'll fit in the pocket. The one's a fold out. The other one's a slide out. Um, so you make a, the wire stripper is 3D printed and then it just has a slot to slide in the blade. Yeah. That's awesome. And that one's a little small, and there's a couple of different designs on Thingiverse for it, but um, that one should work out pretty well. Um, I also assembled a new Bluetooth audio adapter. Um, The one I was talking about making a few weeks ago, I finally got down to putting it together. Um, This was done using an old non-repairable Bluetooth headset that allowed for pass-through charging, unlike the last one I did. Um, although I will say this one's like double the thickness of the other one that was a Sony model. Um, but, uh, it's because I needed to use both sides because there are two boards with charging on one side and controls on the other. So it's, you know, good, like probably two inches thick, maybe. Um, it's currently being held together with a, with a bit of tape because I, I don't want to glue it in case I need to come back and do some more repairs to it and 
yeah, gluing would make that fun. Um, I am going to design um, a 3D print of an outer case for it, which should hold it together properly and allow for future repairs and modifications. I, because of how I ended up having to place the new uh, 3.5 millimeter jack on it, um, I did also have to buy a right angle adapter that would sit mostly flat. So that way it's not like sticking out the side and trying to put that in a pocket that, yeah, that wouldn't have been good. It'd end up with a lot of broken 3.5 millimeter jacks if I had done it that way. Um, and then I was working during a thunderstorm from my garage computer slash server when the power went out for a second. Um, this caused uh, some kind of corruption on the SSD, which prevented me from rebooting into the OS. I probably could have repaired it given enough time, but I needed to get back online and back to work. Um, and I'd been planning on nuking and paving it eventually anyway, so I wiped the SSD and installed a fresh copy of Mint. A um, couple of things there. Evidently, my backup of the home folder was not as recent as I thought it was because my VM image was not available on that backup. The one that I did, I think, back in, what, December and presented on the show. Um, all of the data that I needed backed up was backed up, of course, but some things you just don't think about backing up, like your cron tab. And I had a lot of automation set up in my cron tab. Mm. Um I was able to get back up and running quickly and get the remote software for work set up as well. And I also uh, began to get the applications that I use reinstalled, including X2Go, Mumble, Audacity, got those all set up right away. Next thing to do was to map all of the um, different hard drives that I have in that thing set up um, so that they're there at uh, start and read and writes working correctly. Uh, I needed that because, well, I'm planning on resetting up my uh, Plex server, and it needs to be able to see those at boot. Next, of course, I had to install Plex and fix all the matches for my library. I don't know if anybody's had to go through that with several hundred different shows and movies and everything, but if the matches don't come up right, you got to... It's a slow process to go through and find all the ones that don't match or were matched wrong and then force them to the correct matches. Uh, then I, I, I had to reset up that VM and make sure that the VPN-only traffic is working again and then get QBitTorrent set up with all the feeds that I want. But thankfully, I had the old show notes to go back to and go through and get my step-by-step -step process from there. And so that made things relatively easy to set up again. See, if nothing else, man, uh, doing the show forces you to take notes, huh? Yeah, yeah, which is great. <laughs> also, um, I did get Resilio Sync uh, mostly set back up again and have the torrent folder set up. So that way, if I download a .torrent, uh, file on any of my machines, it automatically goes to the correct location. Um, also, my phone folder, which isn't quite set up yet because I already had a whole bunch of books moved and, and ready to go, so it'll be a little while before I really need to set that up. But that also means that I'm going to have to go to each of my other machines, my other laptops, my uh, tablets that are running Linux, and redo all the links on that. 
Um, all the file automation has to be redone. Um, I spent a lot of time tinkering with CronTab to get the files to move to the correct locations, but um, still not done yet. Um, had to reinstall all those messenger apps that I use for you guys. So that was quite fun. I mean, what? And then the ones for work as well. And I see why I have gone so long without doing a proper nuke and pave on that system. Um, yeah. I'm also looking Everything for... Everything just gets so ingrained, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, probably 10 years of updates on there instead of doing a, a, a nuke and pave. And all the automation that slowly builds up over time and then all the background applications and... and all that other stuff because you know you go to try to install something and then you find out your back in dependency heck because uh <laughs> you know yeah previously you had that stuff installed and now it's just not there yeah the one thing i am looking for for something new is a new audiobook server i mean subsonic was really good for a lot of years but uh i i do want something a little bit more updated so I'm looking into that for now. Um, and that's really about it. Bo, what have you been up to? Oh, man, working mostly. <laughs> Non-Linux-related non, non work headaches for the most part. Um, but I did want to touch on something that I talked about last week. Um, so last week I talked about how I was trying to uh, find a, uh, an in-person studio for another podcast right. that I do. And I was considering using like a uh, public storage unit kind of thing. And you just decided to dig a hole and then just <laughs> make a room down in the ground. Uh, yeah. Resonance is really good down there, right? <laughs> I'm going <gonna, laughs> to dig a giant hole in my backyard. Um, so I went, I went and looked at some storage units. And um, the, the ones, so I wanted something that was like new because um, I didn't want it, you know, I didn't want something that had like a whole lot of history and, you know, kind of, I kind of wanted something that was like new and felt clean and that sort of thing. Um, right. And also I needed something that was uh, air conditioned, uh, you know, climate controlled. And all the places around here that do that are like these, like, you know, maybe it used to be a grocery store or something. It's just like a giant you right. know, warehouse or, you know, something that they've cleaned everything out and then they've bricked up walls for all the units and then none of the units have roofs on them, and that's how they air condition it. Basically, there's like a, a ceiling unit, just like there was whenever it was a, a grocery store, only, you know, it goes down. And because there's no roofs on any of these little rooms, that's how it gets the climate control. Right. All the ones that I looked at actually had like like a, uh, like a an audio system, and they were playing music. And so I can't actually set up a podcast in there because oh, you, right. the, you would hear the music in the background. And that's so, why, man. They, they yeah. they're preventing anybody that needs peace and quiet. You're out. <laughs> so that's what I was wondering: is do you think they do that on purpose? Like they're like, we, we don't want anybody trying to film or or like record in here. Like we want to we want to try to reduce that as much as possible. So we're just gonna pipe in a bunch of '90s uh, radio tunes. <laughs> I guess. Are, yeah. Are you living at a house or an apartment? I'm at a house. I'm at a house. There's just do, uh, do I don't have, have a like backyard? a spare room. Do you have a backyard? Yes. Yes. So yes. you you could find an old junk camper and like put a power strip in it. I I actually I actually thought of that and um the campers that I've seen are not I I'm not like crafty enough to like fix one up and if I buy one that's already nice 
they're a little too expensive well, for me. I'm not saying you need to fix it up because you're talking about fixing it up and making it into a camper. I'm talking about stripping it out, maybe throwing some wallpaper in there and turning it into a studio. Yeah, no, I mean turning it into a studio, but most of the ones that I, I see, you would have to do some sort of carpentry to the walls and things. I don't know. It's a possibility. I'd look into it. Um, that is that is another concept I thought about. Or just putting like a, a building in my backyard. You know, you, yeah, you yeah. do those, those pay-as-you-go uh, monthly things. Quick build sheds. If you're going to do that, though. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to, why why bother with a camper? Why not just get a panel van and, and uh, put the carpentry in that? <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I don't think I'd be able to do it. I don't think I'd be able to pull it off. Um, but yeah. that would be awesome, though, because then I could pull it. I could drive it to uh, conventions and things. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. live on site. I need a. Uh, I need like an old ice cream truck that I just turn, <laughs> turn into a mobile. Now that's cool. oh, okay, now, now, now you're edging towards creepy. <laughs> no, see, you just you just sell something out of the truck too, right? No, like, no, no. Yeah. It's a food truck. Candy on the side. <laughs> well, yeah. That's that's the name of uh, Bo's Barbecue Place. It's uh, called Free, free candy. candy. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got I've got an ice cream truck. You can there have. we go. See? That's what I need right there. I can see the I can see the setup now. I'm um, just getting an old VW bus that somebody turned into you know yeah. a camper. I don't and... know. I've got to look around. I got to look around for like either a building in the backyard or a camper. Or uh, I'm still I'm still I still like the the storage unit idea. It's just um, I got to find one that doesn't play music. And then, right. then I think I'll be yeah. all right. It's and not real loud. To, it's pretty quiet. And allows you to hang out in your unit for hours at a time. I don't think they, I don't, I, I really don't think they care. I know that okay. whenever I've used them in the past, I've seen people there that were using it for some sort of business storage or some sort of business related. Um, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, junk from their house. And I, I, I saw people spending time there or using it as not office space, but like, oh, we got to keep inventory. So maybe they're there. Um, oh, you know, right. For, so they're hanging out for time. a while. Yeah, right. Exactly. And what are they going to do? Tell me I can't talk. Like, I, I'm not planning on playing music or anything. It'll just be the podcast where right. we're just two people talking. Like, what's right. your internet connection going to be? There wouldn't be any internet. We'd have to pre record it and then do YouTube Premiere. Uh, we couldn't, we couldn't uh, actually live stream it there. That would be another downside. But if I did the camper thing, then I could possibly still use my internet, you know? So that, right, right. that may be a better solution now that I know about this you know, music problem. So I don't know. I haven't, uh, I haven't come to any conclusions on that. I just thought I'd give an update since I went and looked at a few and, uh, on uh, crowbar kernel panic, um, Josh and I are going to be testing out fedora and, um, more specifically, we wanted to test Wayland and Pipewire and see how well, um, the games that we're running currently on X, you know, how they work in, uh, in Wayland land. And, uh, mm -hmm. so like I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I'm behind. I'm a week behind now. I was supposed to already have Fedora installed, and I haven't had a chance to do it. But um, Josh has already got it installed, and he's seeing good results. He seems to be pretty impressed with the current state of Wayland. So I don't know. We'll have to get more details about that. But I guess until then, Tony, how have you been? Well, any sick, uh, 1990s science fiction fans out there? Because I've been uh, re watching uh babylon 5 i've just gone through the first season and following a an associated podcast called the audio guide to babylon 5 uh, there's a link in the show notes for that and it's quite interesting because uh, i've seen i've seen the show through well probably three or four times over the years oh, yeah? and i found this podcast a few years ago 
but didn't really follow it right the way through. So I thought they're still available, the podcasts, for all five seasons. So I thought I'd give it another go because someone bought me the box set of all the seasons plus the uh, the movies um, and then the spin-off series called Crusade. But they only managed to get through 13 episodes of that. So anyway, I thought, yeah, let's give it a go because it's a couple of years ago since I, I watched Babylon 5 all the way through. That's cool. And uh, it's been quite it's been quite good. I've really enjoyed going through the first season and I've actually watched a couple of the second season episodes now as well. Huh. Uh, and it, back in its day, it was really cutting edge because it was the start of CGI and ah. um, there was the, it was the first show really to make the best use of CGI. So uh, they look a bit clunky these days compared with things like Lord of the Rings and you know your uh, all your modern TV shows that use loads and loads of CGI. Mm-hmm. But back then it really was it was the bee's knees. So, uh, but uh, if you've never watched it, and I believe Bo, you've never watched it. I've never watched it. Um, you know, I'm a big '90s sci-fi fan myself, but I've never seen Babylon Five. I mean, I watched a few episodes, but I didn't watch. I didn't even watch the entire yeah. first season. Um, the first, the first season's a little bit slow. Hmm. Uh, I won't give any spoilers, but it starts to take off towards the end of the first season, and you start getting a little bit more of the story. Uh, but from season two onwards, for season two, three, and four, they were really cracking season. Kind of like they um, kind of kind of like the next generation before the Borg. Um, it's it's a bit different to that because um, no i'm just saying that um, next generation before the borg was a little bit slow and a little bit boring and then after the uh, borg the first borg episodes which i believe was end of season one start of season two it really picked up and got better yeah but babylon 5 from day one was always going to be a five-year arc um and there was a couple of things they had to change uh, change going through and and Stransky, um j michael Stransky, who, who kind of originated the show uh had all, all always got kind of back outs if if cast members dropped out and things mm. like that but um season four unfortunately they did uh, warner brothers didn't renew it and they didn't know whether they were going to get a season five. So they ended up shoehorning what would have been season four and season five into two, into the one season. Hmm. And then they hmm. got taken up by TNT. So they did get a season five, but it wasn't what would have originally been season five. Right. Uh, but that, and that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the best season, but uh, it was still a good, it was still a good season. But I like, you know, seasons. I like the idea of watching the show in conjunction with listening to this podcast that you mentioned. It, does the podcast spoil? Is it like, like, um, does the podcast really spoil it? Like, do I need to watch it? No, okay. no. Uh, now this is the great thing about the podcast for people who've never watched the show. They, they split it into two halves the ah. podcast. So they've got the pre spoiler bit and then they warn you. They say, if you've never watched this is the time to leave. This is your homework. This is the next episode we want you ah. to listen to or watch. Uh, because they actually changed the running order slightly, particularly in season one. Towards the end of season one, they changed the running order. So it make, it, it's more uh, in arc um, format. So it's, it actually makes a little bit more sense. Because mm. they filmed some of the um, shows a little bit out of order and then f- 
showed them in the wrong order chronologically to where they should have been in the in the time art. Hmm. Oh wow! Uh, so they actually get you to watch them in the way they should have been watched. That's cool, though. Um, but yeah, they do. They do say, look, if you don't want spoilers, this is the time to leave and come back next week. Hmm. So uh, yeah, you get warning, warning not to stay around. Uh, obviously, not everyone listens to that, but <laughs> yeah, it's well worth doing that if you don't want the spoilers and you want to enjoy the show the way it was meant to be watched. That's cool. So I've been doing that, and that's I'm really enjoying that. I've been carrying on with my restoration hobby, and I, I was on uh, the uh, geeky chat that we have from one of the YouTube, YouTubers that I watch. We have a we have a meet up this on the on the one on Friday night. There was nine of us there. Um, and uh, someone suggested I go and buy some stuff from Aldi here in the UK, and I ended up buying some some uh, other stuff that they had on sale, which was some power banks. They had some phone charging power banks, 10,000 10, milliamp hour ones, and they were only like nine quid, so, which is about $12. So I, I got a couple of them. And I actually used one this morning. When I woke up this morning, my phone was down to just over 60 62%, even though it was on charge overnight. I've hmm. been having problems with my charger, and I stuck it I stuck it on charge on the power bank, and it put 30% charging in about half an hour. Hmm. So I was really impressed with that. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's It only does up to two amps, but uh, if you've only got one thing plugged in at once, it gives you the full two amp power. So, uh, yeah, it can give a real boost quite quickly. That's cool. So I was quite impressed and quite uh, happy I bought them. Uh, and because it also it has the ability to use USB-C as well as um, USB uh, micro uh, to charge the actual power bank, you, uh, if you've got a USB phone, you only need to carry a US, uh, USB-C phone. You only need to carry a USB-C charger with you because you've got a charging cable with you because you've got uh, it can charge the power bank with USB-C as well. That's pretty cool, man. I've I've always uh, I always have one of these things around, mostly charged, just in case. And that uh, that blizzard that we had here in Texas a few months ago, uh, man, I was really happy I had it. I didn't actually have to use it, but I mean, it, peace of mind, man. And you know, just carry well, it around in your car least, or something like that. Yeah, I'd get at least two charges and probably two and a half, nearly three charges out of a ten thousand milliamp. One. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I never, I never actually tried, but I figured I'd get at least one full one and maybe a half of another one or something like that. But yeah. I mean, it would be it enough. Just, I suppose it depends on your phone, yeah. you know, and how big a battery you've got in your phone. Yeah, I mean, if if I didn't have power, I wouldn't have Wi-Fi, so I wouldn't be doing a lot of internet surfing. So the the phone would last a good two three days if if you're not you know using it a lot. So if I can get a full, yeah, and all, and also because. Because you've got the ability to use your phone, you can tether it to your laptop just to check emails and things right. like that. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that that little charger might might help me string along for a week if I needed to, uh, starting yeah. with a full charge, and then yeah, just kind of. But then then you, then you're uh, limited to how long your uh, laptop battery lasts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. That that that's a good point. Um, I could just plug them into the batteries and let them drain. I mean, the phone is more important than those things anyway. So. Uh, in a, in an emergency situation, so I feel like yeah, uh, yeah man, sure. I would I would sacrifice the laptop battery for that for that purpose. And um, Lenovo, which I love, always has a uh, a battery charging port USB on all of their devices. On the little recording box I have here, on my Lenovo ThinkPad, uh, they all have um, dedicated next power to a USB. USB yeah. yeah, 
they have a little yeah, battery. Yeah, so that's powered even when they when it's off. You you can you can decide in the BIOS, but the point is is that it gives you two amps as opposed to the half an amp yeah. that you would normally get out of a out of a yeah. USB. So you can get some quick charging out of it. So yeah, that that battery will. That's why I got that one huge um, charger or backup battery. Most specifically because it was USB-C and would do up to 20 volts. So it'll do super fast charging on my phone. But it's also capable of charging my my Lenovo uh, tablet. Mm -hmm. So I I, I can stay online for quite a while if I need to. Yeah, these little battery packs are fantastic. And uh, yeah, just batteries in general are awesome. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that's that. And lastly, myself, Moss, and Dale recorded episode 23 of Disco Hoppers uh, Digest last Wednesday, and that was released on Friday. So if you've not picked up your uh, stream of that, go and, go and check it out. Mm-hmm. Dale did a fantastic review of FreeBSD, and he really gave some of the history around the, uh, the BSD project. So that is well worth a listen if you've never had a look at uh, BSD or any of the free versions of it. Well, in the check this um, out, which will come in the second podcast that we release, um, I've, I've got, I may not have put in the notes yet, but hello system. Have y'all seen that? Oh no. It's uh, it's basically, it seems to me it's basically trying to be Mac OS. And I mean, Mac OS is built off of a lot of BSD and Unix and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. We mentioned that in the show. So hello system is going for the whole paradigm. They're doing the whole it uh, seems like the whole GUI, I mean, I'll just hit it real quick because uh, they had a 0.5 release here um, just recently. Yeah, take a look at this if you can see my screen. You can see what they're going for. And I mean, it's got some of those uh, older looking GNOME elements, but I mean, just look mm. at that. That's Mac. I mean, they're, they're not trying to hide it. Uh, <coughs> elementary. Uh, it, it just is that. And yeah. it looks okay to me. So I'm wondering, is it worth it to take a look at something like this? Uh, what did, what did, I mean, uh, I, I know we should listen to the show and everything, but I mean, how did Dale come out on FreeBSD? Uh, he liked it. it. He said it was, it was install-wise, he said it was very similar to doing a, you know, a full install of Arch from scratch, he said. Mm. So it's probably not, uh, FreeBSD is probably not for a newcomer, but that, system if that's an easier install that might be a way of getting into free bsd yeah i think that's the uh, point an, i mean in an easier way yeah simplicity elegance and usability i don't think you get any of that stuff if the installer is uh not easy so yeah it's i guess it's just totally worth it to you if uh if you want to check it out it might be worth a shot this particular one but i'll stick this in the check this out as well uh just because i think yeah. it, it, it no, looks no, cool but i've never cool. I've never cared much about uh, BSDs, so it'd just be kind of yeah. nice to check and it out. Of course, Moss uh, was looking at Manjaro, so the latest release. So, uh, if anyone's interested in uh, Arch with Man- you know via Manjaro, that's worth listening to as well. For sure. So that's uh, that's it for my uh, wanderings. So, shall we move on to the news? Let's. We got new Linux Mint crumbs, 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 because I think they're saving all the good stuff for uh, for Uma, which is Linux Mint 20.2, and the beta 
mid-June. So right about now-ish, I imagine, uh, sometime next week, I would guess, uh, we're going to see the beta release of Uma. We'll see a lot of people kicking the tires on that. Anybody going to try that? I'll probably give it a go. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably probably wait and, uh, you know, a couple of months after the full release can- uh, releases uh, done before I upgrade my box. But yeah. I might give the beta a, a run out on one of my spare machines. I'll probably upgrade the day it's available. <laughs> I, I'm going to try it on the beta. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to uh, just try the beta as much as I can, see if everything is working and all that. Um, and then, I mean, when it when it launches, I'll have already tested it. So I'll, I'll, well, I'll, what I'll do first, uh, once the release is out, I'll probably upgrade my laptop first because that's not mm. as uh, mission critical. Smart. And then if, if that goes smoothly, I'll up, upgrade my production box. Yep. So I'm excited for this. Uh, I hope, I hope, 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 because apparently today would have gone a whole lot better had uh, I've been on kernel 5.11 as Ubuntu is, as Linux Mint normally should be. Um, I hope with the release of Uma, uh, 5.11 is available uh, as well. Um, hmm, hmm. I know it's available. I know you can just, you know, apt install whatever, blah, 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 and get it to work. But uh, I just, there's a little bit of extra feeling good about it by doing it through the Linux Mint little kernel utility thing. Uh, it's just a shame that 5.11 is not available in there. Anyway, outside of that, uh, Hopefully I get that. But what you will get with Uma is bulky. Now, I've heard over and over and over again, hey, if you're just doing some renaming operations, you should probably just do them in the command line. And I feel like by the time I figure out the regular expressions I'm going to need to do, uh, you know, 15 renames, uh, I could have easily just manually done it. So um, I think that's... uh, I don't know. I guess you just have scripts pre-built and ready to go. But I mean, so, you know, it's, it's that front loading kind of thing. And then you'll, you'll be free for the rest of your life forever. Um, but it seems like bulky takes a lot of that, uh, a lot of that out, a lot of the guessing, a lot of the, that kind of thing out. Uh, Cause what you're, what it is, is a bulk renaming piece of software. So you get all of these, uh, I mean, you, you, you feed it in files and then uh, the new name, you can decide what that's going to be and then just hit, rename. Uh, you can automate it if you'd like. So find anything with doc in it and replace it with uh, that name. It works a lot like find and replace in Word. So if you're familiar with um, using a uh, what do you, word processor is find and rename, this is how that works. And if you want, you can do the whole regular expression, make my mind explode stuff as well. So that is kind of nice, especially if uh, you're one of those folks that are like, well, just get used to regular expressions and you'll never have to worry about it again, right? Teach a man to fish and all that, but um, this is this is really this is really nice. Something that's been available in XFCE for a while that is now going to be available in cin- cinnamon and mate. So everybody gets a little taste of this. It'll be good. One other thing you're going to get is uh, Nemo Content Search. So I don't know about you, but Windows's fuzzy search is pretty decent, right? You search for a particular thing and it will find you files with the word within the file, not just um, not just in the file name or in the metadata or something like that, actually in the file. So if you're dealing with text files or something like that and you search, uh, I don't know, uh, Joe, something like that, you'll find files that are named Joe as well as files that have the word Joe within it as well. So 
that's something that we haven't had in Nemo for the longest time. It's been it it made your searches very narrow, but now in Nemo 5.0, which is going to come out with Cinnamon 5.0, um, we're gonna we're gonna see the content search as well, which is going to be really nice. Uh, it'll make my searching a little less frustrating uh, because I know it says that I just don't know what it's called. So that, that's that's what I have to deal with every single time I do a search. Anyway, that's pretty nice. Uh, and then those of you that are running those weird AMD hybrid setups uh, in your laptops, AMD support, uh, oddly enough, is going to be baked into the NVIDIA Prime applet, right? So, um, yeah, NVIDIA Prime. Huh. AMD support. Well, we lost Joe. Oh, no. Work calls. No. So we'll lost, say goodbye. You didn't lose Joe. Joe. You lost Not Bo. Joe. Bo, you rhyme. It's the same thing. <laughs> Ooh. All right. All right. I appreciate you coming. No worries, man. Work calls. All right. So AMD support. Yay. So if you have an AMD NVIDIA hybrid uh, whatever system, that will now be uh, available for you to tinker with in NVIDIA Prime. So that's nice for those folks that have stuff like that. And then Warpinator. The upcoming version of Warpinator will feature the ability to select which network interface you want to use. Now, this wouldn't have been a problem for me because uh, I didn't have the driver for my network interface card, so um, I wouldn't have had to choose, right? Uh, but if you have multiple NICs uh, on multiple networks or using Wi-Fi and a physical uh, network card, something like that, um, Warpinator can get confused or just default to one over the other, and this update will allow you to choose which one you want. And I think that is a fantastic step up in security. That is really good for us. So awesome stuff. And then it looks like also compression is getting added, which means that as long as it's on, on both machines, you can compress the data before you send it. So you're trading CPU cycles for bandwidth. So if you've got a pretty hefty CPU, you can uh, you can compress stuff before you put it on the wire, and that will make the transfer way faster. But again, remember, you're sacrificing some CPU. So uh, CPU time to compress it before you send it, and then CPU time on the other end to decompress it once you download it. But if you're on uh, slower network connections or something like that, this is going to be a huge help. I would sacrifice all the CPU cycles for uh, you know faster transfers over really crappy Wi-Fi or something like that. So all in all... Good stuff. And uh, I don't remember on the last one, uh, did we did we say that Cinnamon 5 was going to be in UMA? Did we decide that that was going to be the case? Let's see. Does it say? It doesn't. But I've seen on a couple of different, uh, 9 to 5 Linux specifically, um, did say Cinnamon 5 was releasing with UMA. So soon, 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 soon. We'll see it. So pretty cool. Nice to see some stuff coming down the way. Uh, it's good stuff. Now, what is this? Who put this one here? Because I did not follow up on it. I put this one in. Uh-huh. In the last show, we were talking about Audacity and the fact that it had just been taken over. And uh, as a result of the uh, community's uh, concerns about the uh, plan to introduce telemetry, basic telemetry into the project, there's been a little bit of a U-turn or as the register said, there was a screech and smell of burning rubber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as, the new, as the new managers of the open source audio editor, Audacity, have uh, announced the U-turn, they're no longer going to do it at the moment. Man. They Even... may investigate doing some simpler things in the future. <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get not using Google and Yandex. I get that. Um, uh, yeah. You know, and I really respect 
the fact that they had turned it off by default. I mean, you got to go dig in the settings. I saw the way that they were going to set it up. And you really had to dig in. I mean, go down to the advanced and scroll, scroll, scroll and find the thing and turn on the telemetry. Like, I feel like they did telemetry right. But yet, the amount of backlash they got, I guess, was just you you can't ignore it. You can't ignore something like that. So. I think this is more to do with communication and uh, talking to the community before you decide to do something. Very true. Very true. So, so you think they're going to try and do it again? Just they're going to be more open about it? You know, they might talk to the community and say, look, if we want to get some telemetry, what would be acceptable to the community? Right. And how would, how should we go about doing it? Because I think like we talked about on the show last time, there are certain things that makes um, open source software better if they if they've got more up to date information on how many people use it, what kind of uh, uh, utilities within the program that they're using, and all those kind of things. What, right. Um, plugins people use and stuff, uh, and getting an idea of what where they need to go with the development of the project. So I don't think telemetry is necessarily bad, which is what we said last time. It's ju- I think it was just the way they implemented it and didn't talk to the community oh, first. Yeah, look at this. They got some quotes here. So Kiri told the register that Muse Group had not completely been taken aback by the reaction. Telemetry is a very contentious issue after all. What wrong-footed us, he said, was com- uh, what wrong-footed us completely was that the news got out before we were ready to make an announcement about it. And he goes on to say it was com- it was a completely innocent mistake that ended up doing the announcing for us in the worst way imaginable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it didn't it doesn't seem like they uh, they were surprised by it at all. It's pretty bad, I guess, the way that it happened. So, I guess itchy trigger so, fingers got him. Yeah, so I expect we'll get some more news about this down the line. Right, Might be six twelve months before they they approach it again. But I think we'll probably get something in the. In the future. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Kiri remains keen on telemetry to inform where time and effort need to be invested. And I mean, I agree. I agree with that. You need it. You, No one's going to come up and tell you exactly how they use Audacity. Well, the, okay, there'll be 10 people and they'll be extremely adamant about their way is the only way that, that, that anybody should ever use Audacity. <laughs> so that is the way that you should that you should develop for it right now. Um, so telemetry is really the only way to get that feedback. Anyway, he said uh, options including make it a fully optional add-on that users could elect to install have been mooted. Although he told us we'll have to make do without telemetry for the time being. So they're going to do it. And I, I, I support them in doing it. Uh, but God, uh, just don't do Google and Yandex. That's, that was really my big thing where, you know, I, I get it. Software's got to do telemetry, but just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can do the telemetry. Just don't, don't do that, please. Anyway, an interesting thing. I guess uh, the community has won for now. But the next thing, for now, yeah, for now, it's coming, and they'll do it. They'll do it nicely. It seems like so that that's going to be a good thing. But uh, yeah, I think we just need to be okay with telemetry. I think there's there's really not going to be much otherwise, unless um, unless you don't care. Uh, and I mean, I think it's fine to not care as well. If you don't care about user feedback and you're making software for yourself, or you know you're improving it based on the way that you decide that you want software to go, then that's fine too. You'll never need telemetry at that point. Um, but still, I guess bug reports and things like that are still pretty useful. Yeah. Anyway, in uh, another edition of Can We Please Get Away From Chrome, Vivaldi 4 is out. So I'm, I'm very, uh, speaking of keen, I'm very keen on Firefox. I really think uh, Firefox has done a great job with their upgrade. But 
there's plenty of folks out there that don't like Firefox for whatever reason, whether that be their uh, their social media posts or whatever, or they just don't like the software. It's not fast or snappy enough for them or something like that. There are other options. Um, well, I've talked about Brave a lot on this show, and we've mentioned Vivaldi, but uh, here's a big milestone. So one of the coolest things is that they've got a translate feature now. Built in, it's Vivaldi's own translate feature, and I think it's pretty fantastic. So um, this is basically going to be a competitor to Google Translate, where in Google Chrome and Chromium, you have the ability to, when you hit a web page, uh, Chrome pops up and is like, hey, you want to translate this page into uh, whatever, uh, from this to that, uh, and it's very, very easy to do. So in, um, in concert with LingvenX, I don't know. If that's how you actually say that, but um, yeah, that is the company that's going to help Vivaldi translate pages uh, as as you need. So very, very interesting stuff. Uh, and then, you know, since we haven't talked about Vivaldi, you kind of got to talk about the things that, that it has, right? Add and track blocker. Uh, they've got their own end-to-end encrypted sync that you can sync your passwords and history and all that kind of stuff um, as well. So it's just, it's a good browser that you can get your hands on. And one of the other things that uh, that I've seen that is new in 4.0 is that you have three different ways to install it. So once you install it, you get a choice. Do you want the essentials, which gives you the ad blocker and the tracking blocker and the translation service out of the box? Or you can go with classic, which gives you the panels and the status bar and the fast forward and rewind. Uh, or you can do the fully loaded, which includes a mail app, a calendar app, and a feeds app all in the same box. So it seems to me that the browser thing, um, I, had, I had made jokes about it before, where the browser is just becoming an operating system that you install on top of your operating system to get all your stuff done, right? I mean, if you go to you know Drive to do all of your word processing stuff, you go to NextCloud or, um, uh, well, yeah, I guess Drive as well to save all your files. Um, you go to YouTube to watch all your TV. You go to, and then the list goes on and on and on and on about, uh, you know, everything you do is in the browser, right? I mean, shoot, half the apps that I've got in running on my machine could just run in a browser. I think Telegram is probably the only holdout and maybe Audacity. Um, but just about everything else you can do in a browser. I'm pretty sure you could live stream just within the browser. And I think Google gives you that ability. So, I mean, the browser is where you go. Um, yeah, mail, calendar, feeds, all that stuff in the browser. So it seems you like can... Vivaldi is... I don't think you can natively do Telegram in a browser, but you could do the that, that Matrix bridge. True. Actually, yeah. So, I mean, if you just sign in with Matrix, then, um, and, and you're doing Mintcast and, and there's a bridge, I mean, there is a bridge for Mintcast. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't need Telegram either. So, it's just, you can do just about everything in a browser. So, long story short, Vivaldi is, a, is embracing that. And they've just, they, they've just fully loaded it with everything that you would normally need outside of some very specific stuff. Um, I mean, honestly, at this point, you could just auto-launch Vivaldi in full screen, and what, you got Chrome OS. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's there. All of it's there. So you can jump in on that mail beta now. You get a Vivaldi address. Uh, I did sign up for the Vivaldi sync, and you get a Vivaldi address. So it's like Vivaldi.net or something like that, or .com, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they'll do webmail for you all the way, or you can just add your own, I think. So that's pretty nice. Um, it seems okay to me. I mean, looks like Geary, uh, which is what I use now. Hmm. 
anyway, so they've got a lot about their email and their feed reader is the same kind of way. You just, uh, you know, go to a website, there's a feed, you click on the feed thing, adds it to your feed, and now you get all the news from that website. I mean, it's a, it's what you would expect. Calendar works the same way. Uh, all of that kind of good stuff. So, all right. I know I love Firefox. Uh, what do y'all think about Vivaldi though? Any, uh, you, you feel like you're going to give it a shot? I haven't, I haven't tried it, so uh, I might have a look at it. I thought um, the one thing that, that got me about Vivaldi was that uh, it does not integrate stylistically with your, with your operating system. It just doesn't. Um, th- by default, it looks like that, that red bar on top. And that clashes with every Linux system theme in existence. Um, it mostly clashes with Windows as well, unless you choose one of the themes that integrate. Um, and Mac, oh, wow. I think, um, yeah, that does not, th- doesn't mesh well with Mac either. So you can go in, though. Uh, the themes are fully editable. Uh, the accent colors, the main color, all of that stuff. So what I, went, what I did is I just did a screenshot of my Linux desktop did the color picker on each of the little areas and then matched Vivaldi with it. And at that point it looked, it looked good. So, um, yeah, my, my only real gripe was that it was, it just didn't look right. It didn't fit. So everything else is pretty, pretty fantastic though. Uh, I have my own feed reader thing, so I didn't use their feed reader, but the, the mail was kind of nice. Anyway. Um, so speaking of that translate feature, Firefox has one too. So if you go check out the nightly build of Firefox, there is a new translate in there. So it's disabled by default, but you can go turn it on and it only does a couple of languages right now. I think um, Spanish and something else. What was it? Estonian. Now, how did Estonian get up there before? That's like, very French? useful. Maybe one of the developers yeah. <laughs> spoke Estonian. Probably. That's probably it. Um, but that's really cool. I mean, so I imagine Firefox maybe in 90 or 91 is going to debut this feature. And I think that's going to be just... So here's, here's the thing. Here's the whole reason I put it in here, right? You've got Google and Brave and Vivaldi and uh, Microsoft and all of these other browsers, uh, all of these other companies that are investing in Chromium. That I mean, all of their eggs are in that basket. They are Chromium ride or die. So how is it that a company like Mozilla can, I'm not going to say one-to-one, but how can a browser like that keep pace with these other browsers, these other companies, multi-billion dollar companies putting their money into an open source project? How can Mozilla keep up? How is that possible? I, I just, I can't think of anything other than kudos to Mozilla, whatever you think about the company, whatever you think about the browser. I mean, it is as fast as Chromium. It's got the same types of features baked into it. It's got an extension um, library that is vast and wide, and yet somehow are still able to keep pace. I I think it's fantastic. So uh, another, another little, this is why I use Firefox kind of thing. Weren't Google paying Fire, um, Mozilla uh, mm-hmm. for putting things in Firefox for quite a while? I think they were paying for, I mean, they were paying Mozilla. Uh, and, and I think Joe and I kind of had the conversation where it was, that's, uh, it's antitrust um, prevention kind of stuff, right? I mean, if you keep your competitor alive. Um, but what, I, what I'm getting at, though, is that whatever Google pays Mozilla is way less than the companies that, that develop Chromium put into it. So mm. somehow yeah. Mozilla is still able to keep pace and it's just, it's flabbergasting. I never use that word, but I'm going to use it today. 
it's flabbergasting. The, the, the things that they can do and the hate that they take for it. <laughs> but yet somehow... But are, they are losing market share as well, aren't they? they? I mean, they are. Uh, but I think... Uh, here's the deal. By the way, you know, this is one thing that we never really talked about, and I'll talk about it really quick, but the visual redesign was not for the people that are already using Firefox. It was hopefully going to be tolerated by those people. But this visual design is meant to bring more people in. And I think it was the right move. And for all of the gnashing of teeth that we're getting on people that use Firefox and oh, how it's different. It's not that different. It's, I, I, get, I get the accessibility argument. I totally get that. Fix that Firefox like soon. But the fact that the tabs are in the same spot, the, everything is generally in the same spot. So if you had muscle memory built into it, you already had it figured out. Um, but I think it was needed. I think Firefox looked old. I think uh, this visual refresh, this facelift is going to help if, I mean, when, when you're making a commercial or something. Uh, I feel like this browser looks way better than it did in the past. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, I think is a good thing. Yeah, I just think you were talking about accessibility. Um, mm. Accessibility isn't just about features. It's about design as well. Correct. And I think by reducing the size of some of those icons, that's also reduced its accessibility because mm. not everyone's totally blind, but if you're partially sighted, having yep. things bigger now, helps. Uh, and even using screen um, magnification and things like that, it, it just makes it a bit more clunky. So look, I'm doing it so, now. I, I know it doesn't answer your problem, but if you're watching the thing, you can you can crank it up a couple of a couple of pixels, right. which does it seem? Let me see. There we go. It's uh, still smaller, but I I feel like that's probably big enough. But I don't know. Maybe not. Um, you know, I don't I don't need help finding it. So if I did, maybe I'd have a better opinion about it. But you can crank yeah, it up a little bit. Yeah, I okay. think I think if you if you're going to do these things, you should be talking to the people that you know use these facilities absolutely and need and need the accessibility features mm-hmm. to get them right. Exactly. I mean, I would assume you know, it's they... no good talking to me and you because right. we can see. Yeah. Or if we're deaf, you know, if someone who's a deaf user, it's no good talking to a hearing user if you want to give people accessibility for the deaf. Exactly. I mean, that that's my only real gripe with, with 89, is that they took away some accessibility features that were there that I, they shouldn't have gone. They just should not have gone. The icons need to come back. The uh, the little uh, sound icon thing, whenever you're playing music, it just says playing, and you have to hover over the tab to be able to get that little um, sound icon to be able to mute it. I mean. You have to know that that's there in the first place. Like, just put it there. Put it back. That that would be fantastic. Yeah. And it, it's a nice visual cue instead of having to look for teeny tiny little text that says playing. Yeah, and even the download icon, it's not as clear as it used to be. The, when you were downloading a big file, there used to be a blue bar underneath the download, and you could see the progress quite clearly. Mm. Now it doesn't seem to show up quite well, as clear. I like. Uh, I actually like that change. Uh, because it's it, it it integrates in exactly the way that GNOME works. It's a little pie, and right. it, it'll go around when your downloads are done. And if you pull it down, you can you can see the progress. But yeah, I mean, I can totally see how um, the old way was fine as well. But you know, yeah. the 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 sound thing though, it just dawned on me. I don't run a gajillion tabs, but I know a lot of people that do, and I don't know how they do it, but they do. And if you had sound going on, how would you know? 
because there's not enough room for the playing word to be there. So do you just have to like hover over all the tabs and just hope you find the right one? Because if there's 80 of them open, good Lord help you. What, you're going to you're going to be looking <laughs> for a little uh, a little sound icon that's not there immediately. You have to hover over it just right to get it to show what, up in so, Firefox. You mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that's how it works. I have no idea. But because, again, I look, am like in not Chrome, when you have like, you know, 100 tabs open, um, where, whatever spacing for the icon is at the very top, then that is where the whole thing will basically be taken up by the little symbol that shows right. that sound is coming from there. As it should be. At, I mean, the whole point of putting the little playing thing on there is so that you can easily identify which tab is playing audio and easily identify how to mute it. That that was the whole point, and I feel like we kind of took a step backwards on that. So, In case you yeah, actually I, I, rickroll yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Mozilla's not getting a pass from me on this. I just really enjoy the new theming in general, I, I, but I do think that there's some, some things that need to be fixed, and I mean, those are pretty much it. Anyway, uh, enough Firefox bashing. <laughs> TechMint.com has the best Linux distributions out there. What do we think about the top one being RHEL 8? Yeah, best distribution, says TechMint. <laughs> is RHEL 8. Uh, yeah, but are they coming from a, a server thing or are they coming from desktop? Oh, just wait, Tony, because hey, is here cool. we go. The second best distribution is <laughs> the same distribution that is no longer the same distribution right. because it's CentOS 8 stream now, but CentOS 8. So I think these guys really have a server. But wait a minute. The same distribution again. What? <laughs> so yeah, so we get we get RHEL 8, we get CentOS 8, and then we get all Linux, which are all generally the same distribution. Because it's just they a fork made, of CentOS, right? Because of course, yes. No, no, it's a fork of Red Hat, not CentOS. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, and then we get, oh, who would have thought? Something is fishy here. We have bit. four Red Hat derivative, distrib or Red Hat itself, distributions one after the other, and for some reason, the screenshot is Fedora 31. <laughs> guys, <laughs> look, guys, guys. Um, Have you looked at the top of the screen? Is there something in very, very, very tiny uh, one print that says we are sponsored by Red Hat? <laughs> oh, is it? Or are you saying that there is there, or are you just making the joke? Because I no, feel I'm like... No, just saying, is there? Oh, because <laughs> I feel like you're not... For sysadmins and geeks. That's what it says at the top. Right, so so sysadmins that that totally, you know, kind of bends the scale toward Red Hat and Ubuntu and things like that. But it's funny that we get essentially the the same three distros and then the newest, uh, the the bleeding edge version. But then the and next then, one, yeah, no, 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 after Fedora, keep going. So the, all oh, well. all the ones up above are all Red Hat based, right? Yeah, and then the next one is. Debian? Like pure Debian? I mean, really? Pure Debian. Well, uh, for a server, I totally get it. For a server, I totally yeah, get it. I just think I it's get, funny uh, that it took the fifth one to show the first Debian uh, there. I think yeah, that's kind of funny. Debian over Ubuntu 20.04? Yeah. I scroll down. I, yeah. Ubuntu 20.04 is still a long-term long support, isn't it? Yeah. Now, it is. It is. You get five years of support, 10 years if you pay for it. So, I mean, you know, you could you could really string along an Ubuntu install 2004 forever. Um, but Linux Mint 20 did make the list. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that, that was actually one of the biggest reasons I put it on here. I just thought it was hilarious 
that the first three distros are the same distro and then with a different name and then Fedora, which is the bleeding edge one. And then we get to all the Debian derivatives and everything else. No, but, hold on, uh, but hold if, on. You, if you think about well, hold on just one second here, because um, now th- th- this was an article for the best Linux distributions, yeah. right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, Kali Linux is on this list. Oh, hold on. We'll, let, we'll get there. We'll get there. So Linux Mint 20, <laughs> Ulyana is here. I think it's a great choice. Just You know, um, I would say upgrade to 20.1, and when 20.2 comes out, upgrade to that as well. But, um, I mean, you can stay on Ulyana for quite a long time. Uh, and we all... Yeah, but again, if you're coming, if you're coming from a ser- server background, they tend to only do security updates. They don't tend to do anything that could potentially true. work about. True, true, true. But, so that's probably why they're on 20. But I feel like if you're running server stuff on Linux, mate, you're weird, Joe. You're weird. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I will run I know. server stuff oh, on whatever Linux is I Linux. run it on. Oh, you go right ahead. Linux is Linux. I mean, I'm, I'm just pulling your leg. Uh, you run it however you want to. I just, I'm, I'm just a not gooey guy. So I feel like, you know, go, go pure Ubuntu well, with dro- that. I drop to the uh, command line for stuff like that all the right. time. But if I'm already running Linux, if I'm already going to have a front end on there and be using it as a desktop as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, did, I ran didn't Linux Ubuntu, that way for a long time. I'm sorry, Tony, what? Yeah. Didn't, didn't Ubuntu just extend their support period for uh, 12.04? Really? Um for uh, people that wanted to stay on it. So there, there is, you know, people out there prepared to pay for extended, extended, extended support. Jeez, that's insane. So, yeah, the 10 years on 2004 or 1204 would be done next year in April. Yeah, and I think they announced a while back that they were going to extend How these. long were people willing to pay for extended support of XP? Oh, true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, honestly, they would continue to pay for it right now. Um, Honestly, they probably are. <laughs> uh, and then we get, and then we start getting into what you would kind of expect, I think, on a on a distro list like this, Manjaro. Um, you know, so if you want the latest of the latest without getting bitten every, you know, every update or something like that, especially if you install a lot of weird stuff. Um, yeah, Manjaro made the list, but Kali, what? Right, right. That's now, a very specialized distribution. I mean, it is. Who's really going to run Kali? I'm sure that there are people that will, but who's going to run Kali as their, um, you know, daily driver for Linux? You know, okay. So, I mean, to their credit, Kali has done a lot of things that are user facing that would allow you to not log in as root by default. You can change it. Um, But that was just last year when they started doing that. Yeah, and then here recently they've they've moved over to uh, Zish for the terminal, and they have a lot of cool customizations that are baked right in, and all that kind of good stuff. So I mean, it's becoming the line is blurring a whole lot more on Kali as a daily driver, but I still wouldn't do it. There's so many things like yeah. Kali is a lot like um, Arch in that you know you install the right cocktail of packages, and then you're just one update away from blowing something up. And yeah, but sure. And the other thing is. Surely as a pen tester, if you're trying to hack into someone, you're getting paid to try and hack Mm. into someone's system. You don't want to leave any traces of where you're coming from. So you're going to have a clean system that is purely for that. You're not going to have your day-to-day stuff on that system. 
because otherwise that could potentially identify you as a Not only hacker. that, but on a day-to-day system, you're going to be installing other things, not necessarily things that identify yeah. you, but probably you will, but you're going to be installing other things as a daily driver, things that you use every day, and those could potentially have an impact on all of those various, you know, uh, pen testing programs that are there. Yep. Even if it's just yep. slowing so, them yeah. down while you're trying to get things done. Mm-hmm. And so next on the list, though, is OpenSUSE, but they don't they don't specify uh, which one. They do mention that there's Tumbleweed and Leap. I would I I would have thought so, uh, OpenSUSE would have come higher, particularly for uh, server. Yeah, I mean, Leap is just like Ubuntu. Yeah, just like Ubuntu, just like Red Hat. They offer commercial support, all that kind of good stuff. But then again, I guess just because it's RPM based, huh? Well, either way, and then there's Arch. Uh, yeah, but nowadays, the difference between Deb and RPM, it's not massive. Well, it's massive if you're trying to install Discord or something like that, and there's no RPM to yeah, get. Yeah, I, I believe <laughs> that. But, but basically, when, you, when you're talking about Red Hat and their, their derivatives all being in the top four, mm. why not open Sue straight after? Yeah, yeah, true, true. At least. Very true. And then that's it. And then Arch finishes out the list. Yeah, but so, they're, they're they're not making any distinctions on the version of Arch. So if they're lumping, well, there is no version of Arch. It's the newest, whatever the newest packages are after about a day. That's that's what Arch is. So there's no version. Oh, okay. For okay. it, I can't see the anyone in Serverland wanting to install Arch. <laughs> no, this is pure Arch. So I mean, it's it's like is that what they're yeah. saying? It's just pure Arch. Just Arch, yeah, because they had Manjaro up there. Oh, so yeah, that's an Arch okay, derivative. Okay. Yeah, this is just, hey, get that little netboot disk and F-disk your stuff. And yeah, that's that's Arch. But now they have the installer. But the whole thing with Arch is it's a risk of uh, breaking your system because you're updating every five minutes. Yeah. So why would you run that on a server? Yeah. Oh, right. Well, I mean, the Jupiter guys do it. But I think they do it for fun and not because they really believe that Arch is going to not break or whatever because they got Wes over here. Uh, you know, tip tapping away every single time anything blinks wrong. So it's just good that it, you know <laughs> it, you. It, it sounds like you can do it as long as you know exactly how you set everything up and and uh, have a good idea of where to troubleshoot. But I had to I had to say one last thing about this, which is this screenshot. They didn't upgrade any of the screenshots, and the other ones are forgivable, but this one is not. You can't get GNOME on here anymore. It comes with XFCE. <laughs> so. Come on, come on, update this one. This one, you got to update it. That one's bad. <laughs> the other ones are okay, man. Like, look, they're talking about Linux Mint 20, but they have Linux Mint 19 screenshot. Like, come on, come on. You're running them in VirtualBox. It yeah. says right here. You and can I'm at not, least get I'm a I'm not seeing screenshot. this article where it says it's the, the best Linux distros for servers. It just says the best Linux distros. Yeah. Well, that's why Linux Mint's in the list. Yeah. That's why I think Arch is in the list. They're They're... So if so, it seems to me that article was about general best all around distros that can do all the things. But as and, long as Fedora ah, came out on top, or Red Hat came out on top. Yeah, the top I mean, I agree slots. with the Fedora thing. Fedora is pretty fancy. Yeah, the top four, really, really, the top four, really. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> in fact, in fact, uh, if you're thinking of an all round distro, I would have put Fedora, uh, and you were looking at Red Hat. I would yeah. put Fedora yeah. first. The, the, the drawback with Fedora is you've got to upgrade. You've got to update it every twelve months. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, honestly, uh, I would have done Fedora and then, you know, hey, if you want something like Fedora to run on your server, CentOS, Alma, Rocky, Red Hat, because they give you 16 licenses now. Um, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, it's it's cool to look at those lists. I do like those lists. I don't agree with that particular list, but hey, uh, it was <laughs> it was a cool walk down uh, the distro lane again. And it's nice that Linux Mint made it. So, OBS, yay! So this is, uh, this was all of my problem. Okay, well, no, some of it was bandwidth, but some of it was also, um, actually, you know what? None of it was OBS's fault. Uh, I just, man, today was a day. Yeah, I need somebody to blame, and uh, I couldn't blame Joe for this one, so I was going to try to do it to OBS, but it didn't work. So, (laughs) anyway, uh, they've got undo and redo, and so this is, this is really, um, awesome for me because what what ends up happening is you get you you spend all this time to get OBS situated just the way that you want to and then you accidentally drag and drop something somewhere off the screen or somewhere and it becomes a nightmare to resituate there's an undo button now yay it's my favorite my favorite oh man cuz i've been in that situation i've 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 done it and it's it's so annoying to, to have to fix sometimes when you when you just spend a ton of time doing it, doing it. Just don't install the flat pack. It doesn't work. So and and that's one of the things. So I was uh, okay. You know what? Hold that thought. Keep that thought. Uh, we want to. I want to talk about the flat pack in a minute. So improved capture for laptops. So this is going to be um, pretty interesting. So when you're using multiple GPUs, um, the uh, the display can be weird. So improved, better, it knows which GPU, that's the deal. Uh, missing files dialog, that's going to be kind of cool. But really one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about was Wayland on Linux. We were talking about, I think it was on the Saturday show, what the holdup was with uh, software like Peak to get um, Wayland support. And in, the, in their GitHub, in their README, it was basically there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done, a lot of things that just aren't there, and we have to do a lot of stuff on our end that, um, that we, we just don't have time to do yet. So there's no, there's no Wayland version for it. Uh, and you can fix it using the Wayland X little converter thingy. I forget what it's called. But the, uh, the, I guess the real deal with that is that um, you know Wayland's not meant to do that, so Peak would have to make that stuff happen. Uh, anyway, so OBS did. They went through all of the headache and heartache to make it happen. So as long as you're on uh, a distribution that has Wayland and Pipewire, both of those things should start to work now. And I think this is fantastic. But the two distros that I use, Linux Mint and um, uh, Pop! OS, uh, they're not... They're, their stable versions are not on Wayland or I think Pipewire is there in Pop! OS because it's on 20.10 and I know Pipewire was installed. Um, and I think in 2104, though, in Ubuntu, it is Wayland by default, right? I think that's right. Anyway, so that means the next version of Pop! OS will be. Uh, but Linux Mint, I remember we read somewhere, Clem said that uh, Wayland support is just not a priority. So we might not see Wayland support. I, you don't have to deal with this. Uh, in Linux Mint, and we might not see Wayland support until Linux Mint 21, or maybe even 22, or maybe never. I don't know if X just sticks around forever. It's not like they're apps that are X only. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- there will be support for X for a long time to come, so it's not like you're missing out too terribly much on stuff, but uh, there's a lot of things that Wayland can do that X can't. Anyway, 
Noise removal, uh, I think that's that's pretty fantastic, but only on Windows. So, uh, here, this is the thing. And, Tony, this is what I was talking about, where the very first thing you're met with to install OBS is Flat Hub. So, the Flat Pack. But, if I wanted my cool audio visualizations that we no longer do, but, you know, whatever. Um, if I wanted those, I couldn't install the Flat Pack. There's no way to install additional plugins that I found. Um, to get them into OBS through the flat pack, I had to do that through the deb or whatever repo, something like that. It's not just that. I uh, we were talking about this last night on the pre-show chat, and I uh, downloaded the flat pack because it was the more recent version. And when I went to start it up, it gave an error uh, and said there was a graphical tool that wasn't installed. So there's obviously a dependency issue that I haven't got installed on my system. I haven't done any more. Uh, looking into that, but I installed the. Uh, I went into the uh, software center and installed the regular version, the dev. And despite that not giving me a GUI to start it up, I had to go into uh, the terminal to and type OBS. And it, it. But as soon as I did that, it started up. So that works in my current system. So there's something in the new version uh, that's coming down through uh, the flat pack. That because it's containerized, it's not picking up my something on my system that enables the other version to work, but it won't work on uh, on the flat uh, flat pack version. So that, that's that's really weird. So I mean, I've got my issues with flat hub or flat pack uh, with OBS, and that's just more to the pile, huh? Well, either way, uh, I don't know. If I could fix the plugin issue, I think the, the flat pack would be fine. I, I never ran into issues like that, Tony. But I don't know. I haven't I haven't done the flat pack in quite a while. Anyway, uh, Bo's not here, but he had put in this one, so we'll mention it. Wine on Wayland meets Vulcan, multi-monitor support and more. So Calabra, um, the people that are helping out with things like Wine and Proton and everything else, um, are adding in some additional functionality to uh, Vulcan that communicates with Wayland. And, oh, X-Wayland was the thing I was trying to think of before, because there it is right there. but yeah, this is going to be fantastic, man. I mean, these seems to me that companies are coming together to make the Linux desktop experience a fantastic one. And I don't know if you're going to say that Linux has a year of a desktop sometime. Right now is a good time to start saying it again. Really cool stuff. Because I know there's a lot of people that were complaining about multi-monitor. That, that's, I think that was one of the biggest ones, multi-monitor support with, uh, with Wayland. So it looks like, um, yeah, looks like all of this is going to happen going to be fantastic, man. All right. Well, that's it for all of the news we got. Let's talk about security. So another one that uh, that Bo put in there, I think we had converged on this one this week. Um, and so we'll be quick. Linux system service bug lets you get root on most modern distros. Ah, yeah. So the deal with this one is that uh, we recently learned that there was a bug introduced in version 1.1 or .113 of Polkit seven years ago. So seven years ago, a bug was introduced that we recently discovered. Kevin Backhouse figured this one out. And it turns out that it's fairly trivial to if you have access to the machine. So 
you can take your tinfoil hats off. This one's not one of those. This one's one of the, um, you know, if you leave your laptop logged in and unattended at a coffee shop, someone can come in behind you and get, get root. I mean, to be honest with you, this is one of those uh, physical access is king anyway. So, you know, if you left your laptop unattended, they just walk off with it. Like they don't need to do something right there unless they're trying to be super shady. But that's kind of the deal. So no need to panic on this one, but there is a need to update Polkit. So um, Backhouse says uh, it's very simple and quick to exploit, so it's important that you update your Linux installations as soon as possible. So the CVE for this one is uh, 2021-3560. And just, yeah, remember, (laughs) nothing is ever perfect. And this is just an example of that. So if you get the little cross in your update shield on Linux Mint, Mm -hmm. run your updates. Because usually it's security. Exactly. <laughs> so um, this update's been available for a couple of days already. So, I mean, if you generally run your updates regularly, then, I mean, no need to panic, no need to worry, no need to sweat it. Just run your updates as soon as you can and you'll get it done. If you are a holdout, for some reason, you you are one of those folks that are like, well, I'll only update if I need to update. Well, this is one of those. And you can even, in Linux Mint, and this is what I love about it, it's trivial to just say, I don't want any of the updates except for PullKit. So, I mean, in your update manager, just click the clear, check PullKit, hit update. It'll update only that one package, and you'll be secure from this one. But again, if you don't leave your laptop unattended at a coffee shop very often, um, you're probably going to be okay anyway. But still, this is one of those types of uh, bugs that affects every distro out there. So. Yeah, that's that's the deal. This is why it hit our radar. This is why it was so important. And it gave me a platform to say, hey, run your updates. Because you should. Right. All right. So we got a couple of links for that. The register, as uh, <laughs> as the register does, their, uh, their title is seven-year-old make me root bug in Linux. <laughs> Air handling? Nah, let's just unlock everything and be done with it. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, Yousef says the update manager of Mint is just amazing. I agree. Uh, oh, I have the one gripe, and it's not an update manager gripe. It's that I can't get the 5.11 kernel through the update manager. That's that's my gripe. So anyway, I think we're making good time. We didn't have an extraordinarily long show first half this time around, but that'll do it for our security update. We just had the one. All right, Tony, I will let you go to sleep soon, I promise. <laughs> this go around are is uh our next episode is going to be at 2 p.m u.s central time on june 27th 2021 check that date i'm pretty sure that is a sunday it is a sunday uh and you can uh, there's a link in the show notes that will give you the time converted to your time zone so you don't have to do any math you don't have to go to youtube and see our live stream and how long that's going to be or anything like that because apparently we're 30 minutes late today and um yeah just click on the link it'll tell you exactly when so you can mark it on your calendar uh, our Saturday stream is going to be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on June 19th, and I'm pretty sure that is also, yeah, look at that. The calendar tells me it is a Saturday, so that will uh, take care of that one as well. And Londoner is gracious enough to hook us up with another link, so I'll have that in the show notes once that comes out in the podcast um, to get that converted to your time zone, too. But since it's a live stream, you can always just head over to YouTube.com uh, and just uh, click on Mintcast. And, uh, you know, while you're there, you can click on the subscribe button. But uh, until then, you can get your live stream figured out uh, from there. Uh, apparently, the little bell 
tells you like when things happen. Not that bell, different bell. Joe's Joe's bell is different bell. That was my That's cat. a kitty. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the bell next to the subscribe button. Uh, also next to that thumbs up button. It's a pretty good that. bell though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, now that we're wrapping this up, Joe, where can we get more of you outside of here? Well, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts. Um, I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show which is at tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast. We will be recording next Friday, and that's linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email, jb at mintcast.org. Ooh, and Bo cut out early, but you can get him at theundercastnetwork.com, the YouTube Undercast Collective, and I'll sneak it back in here, but you also can get him at uh, the CKP podcast, the, what is it? Crowbar Colonel Panic. Uh, that's also, uh, they've got their own YouTube channel, but they also live stream on the Mintcast channel. So if you're just subscribed to Mintcast, um, you'll get the notifications about that too. It's uh Saturday evening, 6 PM, I believe. Uh, so yeah, tune into that as well. If you got nothing else going on on a Saturday, it's a good show focused on gaming. Uh, Tony Hughes, what about you? Yeah, you can find some of my old uh, podcasts on Hacker Public Radio. I'm host ID338. I'm on Twitter at TonyH1212. I'm on t- I'm th at mintcast.org, and I'm on distrohopersdigest at gmail.com. And Mike will be back soon, uh, but you can get him at Mike at mintcast.org and Grouchy M on Discord and Telegram. He's been flooded with work. Um, yeah, missing his voice. So we'll, we'll likely have him on the next episode. Uh, as for me, leochavez.org and at leochavez on Twitter, leo at mincast.org if you need to get me over email. Uh, I'm also on another show, linuxuserspace.show, and you can buy me a coffee if, uh, you know, you know, I'm thirsty sometimes. Anyway, but before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Init RD for the animated Mintcast logo that we have on Discord. Hobstar for the actual logo. And Londoner for all of the, their two time syncs now. So thanks for both of those, Londoner. Bytemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting all of our, not all of our, it's just one anymore. It's just an MP3 now. Archive.org for hosting our MP3. HPR for our backup Mumble room. And of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. And Cole. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mintcast. Thank you, Mark. Nobody was using them. Bad time. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. 
I can get I can get in touch with Ken and ask him no to worries. put it back. I mean, Honestly, we're using Discord, and then we can have our mumble as a backup. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, HPR. Dun, ba, dun, 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 dun. And we need to add Josh back into our wrap up since he's you know still going to be on the show. You know, he's off and on again, and uh, you know what? Next time he comes on the show, I'll add him back in there. But he was on one after he said he was going to quit, right? Not yet. Uh, next oh, next show, so next then, show should nope. be the, the nope. first time he's back. So then, Josh, if you want to get put back into the wrap-up, you got to show up. Show up, Josh. <laughs> put you back in. Show up. 